swing because you've been out in the sun a little bit too much. And that's good. That's part of life, isn't it? Oh, it's so good to worship the Lord. Our worship team does such a great job in, in leading us and guiding us in the areas of growing in our worship time. Pastor Dan, I appreciate the uh, anointing, the prophetic anointing, the, uh, the words of God that are given regarding prayer for the sick. Uh, one day we will uh, avail where we call for the elders again, anointing with oil at this time in a collective way. And because of uh, pandemic and all the things that we have decided at this time uh, not to do that, but let me just say this to you. Healing still is available through the work of the cross. Amen? Amen. For those that are online, be healed in Jesus' name. We have a very special guest with us, uh, a gentleman, his wife, uh, were part of our church many years ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Robert, um, 2006 is when you went to South Carolina, and I was a supervisor out there, and I brought uh, Gil Dearman and Debbie, who were part of this congregation, out there to a church. And Robert, uh, who is a businessman, real estate agent, uh, went out there with him to help him. And in the time frame, became a pastor himself and is now pastoring one of their associate churches. And uh, so, Pastor Robert Rosales, can you stand, please? And let's just... Very proud of you, my friend. You've done a great job. I hear great things about you. And yeah, people talk about you. You know that while you're in ministry. People talk about you. But uh, we're just, and you have family with you. Welcome. And it's so good to see you also. I'm going to ask if you turn your Bibles uh, to Revelation chapter 1 and to John chapter 13. And hold your finger in uh, John 13. And uh, we're going to read from Revelation 1. We're going to read a little bit more scripture than we normally do. Um, But as you're turning there, again, VFAM next week, as you heard from Terry, uh, my beautiful wife, uh, regarding VBS. Uh, I also want to remind all the ladies, August 20th, next week, they will really be uh, pushing uh, in the following weeks. Uh, the Women's Breakfast, which is August 20th. And then men, on September 10th, we will be having our men's conference, a one-day conference on September 10th. That will begin at 11.30 uh, in the morning. And uh, we will have a great time of barbecue and also extended times of ministry, worship, and teaching of the Word of God. I want to pray with you because I begin a new series today called When We Encounter God. How many of you know God is always wanting to encounter you? He is always moving to encounter you. But when we stop and we recognize an encounter that we're having with God, It changes our lives. You cannot encounter God without change. 
And so we're going to cover encounters of men and women in the Bible and what happened to them, and we will learn from their stories. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the power of relationship. Relationship with you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, as we come into those time frames, those seasons, encountering you, we do know we will learn, we will grow, and we'll absolutely see your hand upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for our hearts and our minds that are attuned to what you want to say to us. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us today? We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's begin talking about uh, one of the disciples, and his name is John, and we're going to talk about the encounters, because John had many with God, and we're going to talk about his story. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 9 through 18, it says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, John, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The word Hades is translated the word hell, saying, I have the keys or the way for people to not have to go to hell and not die a spiritual death, but shall live forever, eternal life. So let's talk about three things John's encounters showed him. And from there, I believe that you and I will uh, learn. I know that some of you got a little bit nervous because we were reading from the book of Revelation. 
But we're going to simplify that to you today. The first thing we learn is John had a revelation of Jesus. He had a revelation of Jesus. And this is just one of the encounters. Jesus said, I am he that was dead and now lives, and behold, I am alive forevermore. John had a face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Christ. He had a face-to-face encounter with the ascended Christ. So let me tell you about John at this time in his life on this earth. He is the only living original disciple at the time of this revelation. We know about Judas, but all the other disciples had been martyred before this revelation came to John. In Acts 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Years later, Nero crucified Peter upside down. Some of the things here that I'm going to show you and share with you are written in history, and most I'll share straight from the Word, but the Word and historical documents of the day give us the background of John's encounters. And we need to recognize this. This is not just a uh, fantasiacal story that a lot of the world wants to talk you into and deceive you in saying this, but these literally are historical, the things that John writes about. History also tells us that they tried to kill or martyr John, but he didn't die. They tried to make him a martyr by putting him in a vat of boiling oil. But historical facts and, and truths and stories are telling us that while he was in the boiling vat of oil, he was preaching the gospel to the people that were throwing him in there. It did not burn his skin at all, even though the oil was boiling. The emperor, we believe was Nero at the time, got so afraid of John and what happened there, the miracle that happened there, that he banished him to the island of Patmos. Now, I want you to just, I just want to stop there. as I just want to tell you, when bad things happen to you, God's got a plan. I didn't say God did the bad thing. I said when bad things happen to you, God's got a plan, and he's going to take you through the struggle that you have faced, and he's going to bring victory on the other side if you will see God in the time frame, that you will have an encounter with God in the midst of your struggle. He was on the island for one year, and while on the island, he writes the book of Revelation. What we just read was John having the vision or the revelation while he was on the island. Also, regarding John, there are two theories of his family. The first one, I don't believe, is uh, Joseph, the husband of Mary, married before he married Mary. Say that three times. He had a daughter, uh, uh, Siloam, 
being the half-sister of Jesus, and Siloam married Zebedee, and they had John. So then John was a half-nephew of Jesus. Well, this is what I believe, and I can tell you through historical facts and the Bible. Most theologians believe this also. Siloam was Mary's sister, and Siloam married Zebedee, and they had John, so John was a cousin of Jesus. So when we're talking about people that have encounters with Jesus and have had times of being face-to-face with Jesus, that John was a cousin of Jesus and was always with Jesus. But there were revelations that John received in the latter years of his life, things that he did not recognize even though he was with Jesus many times. Next week, we'll talk about the wedding of Cana. The wedding was, I believe, John's wedding. The reason Jesus was there, because it was family. The reason why Mary was so concerned when she ran out of wine and went to Jesus was because Mary was a relative or sister and maybe she was in charge of the, of the refreshments. See, what we need to understand that these revelations and these encounters with the Lord Jesus is in normal life. We have a tendency to feel like to have an encounter with God, you got to be the spiritual giant and in prayer for 500 hours. I just want to tell you, God is always seeking to encounter you. And if you just open up your heart to him, you will have these. So we believe John was related to the Lord Jesus Christ and had many encounters with Jesus. John's gospel begins like no other book in the Bible. John's gospel starts like the beginning of Genesis. In John 1.1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, referring to Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John had a revelation of Jesus as God. He wrote the gospel of John to help people understand he is not just the Messiah, he is the Son of God, and Jesus is God himself. John felt like this was needed to be nailed down to the church John lived the longest. He wasn't martyred. He died at an old age. But he was watching the early church, and he knew that this needed to be nailed down because people were coming in to deceive and telling them that Jesus was a prophet. He was a good guy. He was a good preacher, but he wasn't God. And they were saying, you know, Jesus really didn't, God really didn't come in the flesh. So John writes John to prove the divinity of Jesus being God. He writes 1 John to prove the humanity of Jesus. 1 John 4, 3, he states, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. When people say that, well, God didn't come in the flesh, they are of the Antichrist. 
That's what the Bible says. That's what John said. Because why? We're going to see and know already that John was with him. 1 John 1.1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, concerning Jesus. Some believe that, that John died in 98 AD. I believe he died in 100 AD. Means he was over 100 years old. John, in all those years, is watching the church and he is seeing things that is bothering him is the reason why he writes 1 John 1, 2, and 3. And then he writes Revelation, the book of Revelation, because of the revelation that Nero meant for bad, but he went to Patmos, spent time with God, and got this amazing revelation that he writes the book of Revelation. Now, he writes 1 John because there are false teachers, again, saying Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh, saying that Jesus was a spirit and didn't come in the flesh. John says, I was there. I touched him. I felt him. I talked to him. I leaned on his chest. He was the only disciple left who could write this because he was there. The book of 1 John is John saying, bottom line, when you read it again, read it with the understanding, I, John, was there. I, John, was there. So John had a revelation of Jesus in his encounters. So here's the second thing I, I, I want to tell you and this really needs to be revealed to us. John had a growing revelation of Jesus. A growing revelation of Jesus. And so let me just stop here. No matter how long you've known the Lord, you can know him in a greater way. Be ready. Be available. Sometimes Christians get a little cocky in their 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 life as a believer, and they think they know it all. I want to tell you, I'm your pastor, and I don't know it all. And some of you might say, amen, brother. That's right, you're right, I don't. The book of John records more of what Jesus said of himself than any other book of the Bible or any other gospel. The book of John is referred to as the Red letter gospel. More of what Jesus said because the revelation of who Jesus was and who he is was given to John and he wrote it. Let's quickly go over this. John 6.35 says, I am, he, I am the bread. Jesus is the bread. John 8.12, I am the light. Speaking of Jesus, John 10, 7, I am the door. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1, I am the vine. And John 10, 36, I am the son of God. John also is referred to 
as the love disciple. See, this was written in the 70s and 60s. The love disciple. It talks about how much he loved Jesus and how much Jesus loved him. John is the only one that recorded this statement. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. So we're finding out in these revelations, in this growing, that John, even though he was related to Jesus in the flesh, John began to understand who he really was. And it was a growing thing. First John backs this up. First John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Let's go to the opposite in John. I saw him. And I love you. Why? Because God loves me. History tells us when John was very old, listen to this. I've read this. He was in the temple. Someone said when they, they walked in, they said, John is here, the disciple. He's in the church. So they went to John, a group of people went to John and asked him, please, John, tell us what it was like to be with Jesus. What do you remember most of what Jesus taught? History says he walked up to the front and John only spoke three words. Love one another. And he went and sat down. The same writing in history said they said after he sat down, is there anything else about what Jesus taught? John walked up again to the front of the church. And he said, love one another. And then he went and sat down again. And all the people were like you and I. John, dude, you grew up with him. Tell us anything else about Jesus. And he didn't get up that time, and he sat there and he said, love one another. John, still sitting down, said, because it is the commandment that Jesus said, it is a new commandment that our Lord gave to love one another. When you have a revelation of who God really is, who Jesus really is, you will love one another because then you will recognize that you're loved. Church family, young people, I want you to understand the God that you serve, the God that you're listening about, the God that was revealed in a unique way to John and he wrote it down in the Bible is saying to you, you need to understand God did everything he did for you because he loves you. James was John's brother. Watch this. Peter and Andrew, fa father died when they were young, and Zebedee, John's father, took them in 
And that's why the four of them fished together. Simple life. I know people in our church have taken people in. Simple life. That's what you do. That's who you are. You're a people of grace and love and mercy. Why? Because you're created in the image of of Christ and the likeness of God. So it's a growing revelation because John didn't start out to be the loved disciple. It wasn't like Jesus called him and said, John, the loved disciple, come here, please. I anoint you as John, the loving, loved disciple. John was a Galilean, and they were known by their speech. In other words, they used another language. They were country folk. They were uneducated. The Bible said when they went to the temple and led the lame man, the people said that they were uneducated but took notice of them because they were with Jesus. John was a little rough. He was a little rough like Peter. Remember Peter? Uh, If you read the Bible, I I apologize, the Bible does cuss a few times because Peter cussed. When when they uh, asked him, weren't you one of the disciples after Jesus was arrested? He said, no, no. Jesus, after he started being with them, called them the sons of thunder. Now, being called the sons of thunder, we're thinking, I'm the son of thunder. Well, we see it as a compliment, but in the literal language, it doesn't seem that way. Basically, you guys are a little wild, and I'm going to have to help you from where you're at to where I know you're going to be going. Luke 9, 54, it proves he was rough. Remember this story? When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Jesus is coming to love people and bring them to salvation. And, and these guys, these dudes, are James and John, are saying, let's kill them. They're real people. Sometimes we're deceived of who God is and what Scripture says is because we look at this Bible as some uh, thing that you can't really touch. Only a few people can really have this revelation of what the Bible really talks about. So he was a long way from the love apostle at this point, but John was growing, and so are you. Some of you... Know where you want to go, but you're not there yet. And you're a little rough in your life. Jesus said you don't know what the Spirit is, you talking like that. What the Spirit you're of. In other words, you're serving me, but you're acting like those opposite of me. Mark 9, 38 says this. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. Let me just kind of give you in in Gary's terms, pastor's terms. He's basically saying, we saw a person using our material, and they're not from Valley Community Church, 
So we told them to stop. James and John went to Jesus secretly and said, when you come in your kingdom, when, in other words, when you destroy the Romans, because they didn't understand yet, you come in your kingdom, can we be right next to you? Can we be leaders? Can we be bosses? I believe James and John put their mom up to the same thing. Because remember the story of their mom, Siloam, was Jesus' aunt. Thinking Jesus won't say no to his aunt. So she was even talking to them about, you know, promote them, promote them, promote them. And see, they're rough. They're, they're, they're still thinking the way the world thinks. You know, if you're going to be promoted, manipulate, you know, do things, lie if you have to, steal if you have to. No, God says in Psalm 75, he's the one that promotes and he's the one that sets down. So when you have the revelation of God, you will begin to walk in such an anointing that will bring promotion in every area of your life. By the way, the book of Revelation is singular, not plural. Revelation is who it is about also and not what it's about. End times. Now, folks, you know I've taught a whole series on end, end times because it does talk about end times. But the book of Revelation, it, to understand end times and everything it talks about, you have to understand Jesus. It's not the revelation of end times. Revelation 1.1 says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave John to show his servants. So if you're reading the book of Revelation, you're reading a book that is talking about who or whom Jesus is. Also, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. What did the angel signify? Jesus. So John in this revelation, got a full revelation of who Jesus was. The revelation of Jesus Christ. John had this growing revelation of Jesus, and we should too. That's why we have discipleship programs, Bible studies, breakfasts, barbecues, guys, because everything we do, we always have the Word of God in it, who is Jesus the Christ. The New Testament only refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God 31 times. Notice the revelation that John got. Notice the encounter, what he learned being face-to-face -face with Jesus. The New Testament only refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God 31 times, and two of the other times are in the book of John. So, here is what I want to tell you. 29 out of 31 times, the statement of Jesus as the Lamb of God, as the Lamb, John is talking. So, what do we, what do we surmise from that? John got a true revelation 
for the seven churches, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. That's what happens when you have encounters with God. This amazing revelation, it came from John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote after John the Baptist came on the scene. Basically, they wrote only about the third year of Jesus' three-year ministry before he was crucified. If it wasn't for John, we wouldn't have known many things. Jesus' first miracle at Cana. Nicodemus, remember, you must be born again. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 4, pastor, you're going too fast because there's so much. But I want you to listen to this over and over again. Get online this week. Take notes. You have some in front of you. John 4, the woman at the well. John 5, the lame man at the pool. John 8, a woman caught in adultery. John 9, the blind man healed. John 11, raising of Lazarus. John 13, the washing of the disciples' feet. So here's what I'm trying to tell you by saying all this. John had a growing revelation of Jesus Christ. And he writes the revelation 60 years later. I was born again in 1976, and I know Jesus better today. My revelation of him is growing and still growing, however long I live. You and I, let me say it this way, you get many encounters with Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit telling you? I want to say this to you, that in many instances, I've learned even in my own life, in my own experience, God encountered me, but I didn't encounter him. God came to me, and I didn't go to him. I didn't receive him. I didn't talk with him. I didn't learn from him. So John had a revelation of Jesus, and it was a growing revelation and he taught the seven churches. Here's the third. And this is the one that is very dear to me. Prophetic words that were given to me uh, when I was licensed, when I was ordained, and uh, two weeks after I was born again regarding this revelation. John had a revelation of himself in Jesus. <clears throat> What do I mean by that? John had a revelation of himself in Jesus. It's kind of funny if you read Scripture and not understanding this, but let me say it another way. John saw how Jesus saw him. I was this guy, this athlete, this leader in school, all the different things, and it was everything that I did, everything that I was the identity that I had in sports and everything. And when I got born again and I got this revelation, I saw 
how God saw me. And let me share this with you. The book of John is written in between 55 and 60 A.D. after Jesus' death. John 13, 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples. How many of you know in the book of John when he says one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself. Okay? Pretty cocky dude, huh? I'll, I'll touch on that statement in a second. John 20, verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. He was referring to himself, whom Jesus loved. John 21, 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. John 21, 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, let me just say, who's writing this? John's writing this, right? The Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Remember the, the supper and it was Judas? John 19, verse 26, 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, dude, standing by, and he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Many times he revealed the revelation that Jesus loved him. I didn't see that in reading Scripture years ago. I thought what I just said, that, man, you're, you're really cocky. Pride go up before a fall, dude. You know, quoting Scripture, trying to be spiritual about it. That's not what he was saying. It's kind of like Moses. Uh, the Bible says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses did. <laughs> See, I told you all these guys are full of pride. Well, maybe they were, but God got out of them through revelation. Here's my thought. The Holy Spirit inspires Scripture. The Holy Spirit, who's God, wrote this through Moses and especially as we're talking about John, through John. So my point is this. John writes five times the disciple that Jesus loved. This was not in the language a comparative statement. He's saying he loves me, not, he's not saying he loves me and not the others. John is saying, I finally figured it out that Jesus loves me. And I just want to tell some of you, you haven't figured this out yet. You haven't really figured it out, understood. It hasn't been revealed. Not that God hasn't tried. It hasn't been revealed to you that God really loves you. It doesn't matter where you came from. Remember, 
we've learned from John, it's a growing revelation. Some of you were pretty hard when you were younger. Maybe even middle age, you've been pretty hard. But the last few years at Valley, you've been going to OSL and you've been learning and it's been a growing revelation and things are changing in your life. And when you begin to talk about how God loves you and God's changed you, a lot of people go, yeah, well, but back then, this is what you were. Well, that's not what God thinks about you. God is looking at you and he loves you right now where you're at. And if you understand this love that God has given you, then all your past and all the junk that's trying to hold you back, the anger, the bitterness, the frustration, the unforgiveness will just melt away because you understand that Jesus loves you. You will stop being so judgmental of other people. And as we learn in this series by a few people and their experiences, especially Matthew, will learn about how to lead people to Christ, how to touch people for Jesus Christ, not based on what they do or what you do, but based on the love of God. Jesus loves me, and he loves the church. And John had a revelation you and I must have. Jesus loves you. In John 14 through 16 is a conversation at the Last Supper, and this is what Jesus said. I will conclude with this. I know I'm reading more scripture than normal, but listen to the story. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Remember, God loves you. In my Father's house are many mansions, can I say dwelling places? It's a place where you can dwell with God. Sorry for some of you. Can't wait till I get my mansion. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Speaking of the resurrection, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. He's basically saying you're not an orphan. He will come to you and help you and bring to your remembrance what was just said there, what John wrote down. Look at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. This is Jesus talking. The revelation is growing in John, and he's recognizing this love and the unity and the power and the compassion there is in relationship with God and with one another. 
I in them and you in me. They may be made perfect, mature in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus is talking. See the revelation that's being written down here. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. That they may be held, excuse me, may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, folks. You can't ruin it for God because he's love. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Your love, church. Breaks my heart in ministry. 43 years of ministry that I have watched people just melt away because they didn't understand this truth. They became angry in life. The enemy came in and and stole and killed and destroyed the very things that they desired because they didn't understand what John understood. That's why he wrote 1 John. That's why he wrote the book of John. 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. Is to show us the Christ, Jesus, who came in the flesh and who loves us. And you can't ruin that love. See, People go to heaven because they received him. And they received his love and his grace. People go to hell because they didn't have a revelation of the love of God. That he died for them. And he rose again on the third day. Hell was created for our enemies. Satan and the fallen angels. Hell was not created for human beings. But because many have become like the father Satan in evil and rejecting Christ, they go there. It's not because God wants it. He loves you. And if you're listening to me and watching me, I want you to understand, you may have done some wicked, awful things in your life. God loves you. He wants to have an encounter with you. If you're watching in prison, and you're in prison because of evil deed, God is wanting to encounter you right there in your prison cell. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whatever you've not done, Jesus wants to encounter you. And he wants to show you the revelation that John had. It will change your life. Let's all stand. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible 
tells me so. Historical facts and writings prove the action of Jesus in the flesh and the revelation of the Holy Spirit has taught us spiritual things. Church family, I love you. I desire passionately that you would go over and over again the message that I'm giving you. And we're going we're gonna, to, many, many people in the Bible, we're going to talk about their stories. We're going to learn what they learned, the revelation that they learned. And in the same change, the miracle that John received while he was preaching the word of God was sitting in a vat of boiling oil. People got saved in the midst where, where Satan wanted to kill and destroy him. If you're in that position feeling that way, I want to tell you, if you understand Jesus and that revelation, you will be delivered. And you will be able to proclaim whom Jesus is. Six o'clock tonight is our Bible study. Come on, we're learning some powerful truths. We go deeper in the Word of God. The youth cross the way. We have a great time. 2.30, Spanish service. Pastor Angel, you're speaking today, right? Okay. He's got a team of guys, and he'll be speaking, and he even looks good today, too. So come on and watch Pastor Angel at 2.30, 6 o'clock tonight. God bless you. Have a great day. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds